1: Episode 132 of the Adam Shine Podcast, a featured guest this week, one of the best play-by-play voices in the business from Fox Sports after over a decade at ESPN, my guy Jason Benetti, who was just incredible this past weekend on the TCU Baylor call. He is a phenomenal play-by-play voice, baseball, college basketball, college football, an amazing story, a Syracuse guy. Trust me, you don't want to miss the interview that we do with Jason Benetti, who is one of the best play-by-play voices in the business. Just got that brand-new deal at Fox Sports, and he is doing an unbelievable job. Well, we are taping this on Tuesday, two days before Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners and subscribers and downloaders to the Adam Shine podcast and Thanksgiving is always a hot topic for discussion. And Bob Stu, of course, our senior executive producer, is is with me. And Bob, this week, the You ask For It, You Got It. It's on Thanksgiving. Because we put it out there via Twitter, at Adam Shine. Maybe I should promote Instagram nowadays. You don't know what the hell is going to happen with Twitter, at Adam Shine as well. And the overwhelming consensus was... The people wanted us to talk about Thanksgiving. Now, first and foremost, there is this weird war against turkey. And and I just want to make sure that there will be no turkey slander ever. Turkey is always delicious. Turkey on Thanksgiving loaded with gravy is the only way to go. I don't want to hear about, you know, oh, we do something different or we do ham or we do lasagna No, no. It's turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't want the turkey truthers coming out. First and foremost, Bob, when it comes to Thanksgiving, that's where you start. Just making sure you're pro-turkey, right? Of course, Adam. I mean, come on. What what are we talking about here? How how could anybody be
0: anti-turkey? I mean, turkey is the staple of Thanksgiving. I have a Thanksgiving flag. It's currently flapping in the wind outside right now. It has a turkey on it. It doesn't have a bowl of mashed potatoes. It doesn't have a ham on it. It has a turkey on it, Adam. If you don't like turkey, it's because whoever's cooking it is cooking it incorrectly. That has to be what it is. It must be too dry. That's what I would say. But come on. I
1: love turkey, Adam. I am pro-turkey.
0: How can anybody be anti-turkey? I don't
1: know. So good. We got that out of the way. And when it comes to sides, right, you know, stuffing is always number one. Stuffing is number one. Uh, Without question, number one, my mother forever string bean casserole makes a a cranberry, which is absolutely delicious. Love mashed potatoes and gravy. But stuffing will always and forever, Bob, be my number one Thanksgiving side. No, I think it's mashed
0: potatoes. I just... The mashed potatoes are the number one, Adam. Stuffing's right there. It's a good 1B, if you would like to call it that. But for me, it's got to be mashed potatoes. I also... Am obsessed with mac and cheese, and I get it. Is mac and cheese your traditional Thanksgiving it's side? It's not. It's not. I would say it's not. So it gets dinged a little bit for that.
1: I understand that. But in terms of if it's there, yeah, I'm taking. You can the put mac it, it on the table. You can eat it. You can go back for a second portion. I just don't consider it a Thanksgiving side. But you know, someone brings it to Thanksgiving, we're gonna eat it, pop. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. That's and mashed that's potato and number is one is problem. not offensive. A lot of people yeah. will agree with you, but I just think stuffing is the traditional side for Thanksgiving. I can
0: understand that, and it's great. It just mashed potatoes are just better. And look, that is also the problem with mac and cheese, Adam. It's a year-round food. It That's has right. year-round appeal. It isn't seasonal. You, you you could be eating mac and cheese on any holiday, and people are fine with it. So I get it. It gets it gets a little dinged. Yeah, for me, though, mashed potatoes, number one, stuffing, number two. And stay away with the salad on
1: the Thanksgiving table. That is a waste of time. Don't give me any... And I love salad in general. Don't give me salad when it comes to Thanksgiving. Now, you talk about seasonal, right? Look, let's get to the dessert. And I love apple pie. It's the number one pie. It's tradition. It's history. It's, you know, a little Alamo, a little vanilla ice cream. We're all good. But... I. Pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving is always the number one. Now, I'm not anti. I will always, if there's apple pie, give me apple pie, give me more. Blueberry, give me that. But for just for Thanksgiving dinner, pumpkin pie is always number one.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm not into the pumpkin pie. I think it's okay. It's an okay pie, but also... Halloween is past, Adam. I'm done with pumpkin. I can't have any more pumpkin. I'm fed up with it. I'm done with it. I like pecan pie. I think it's exceptional. I I think I first had a pecan pie... Maybe five or six years ago when Bill Zimmerman walked into the office one day and said, that is the ultimate, the best pie. I took a bite. I've never went back. Wow. I think
1: it is exceptional. It's I'm an not exceptional a pecan pie. guy. I'm not, Bob. Yeah. I, I'm, I could appreciate why someone would put that number one or two. I'm just not a fan. I'm not, not going to do it. I respect yeah. your
0: list, but I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. It's a strictly dessert pie. For me, apple, I feel like I could eat a, a piece of apple pie any time of day. It is it is that great. I love apple pie, too. I'm not into the pumpkin pie, Adam. I'm done with October. It's over. Wow. I flipped the switch.
1: I'm done with pumpkin.
0: No pumpkin okay. spice, no pumpkin pie. None of that.
1: Well, I think pumpkin pie, final time is Thanksgiving. After that, it's out. Then, then it's over. You can have it yeah. for Thanksgiving. It's part of the Good history, point. part of the tradition. Now, mealtime is always significant, and you're obviously a sports freak like like me, and obviously you want to watch football, that's that's important. Now, you know, growing up, we didn't have a, a big Thanksgiving, my dad is an only child, and my mom has a brother who, you know, she we, we barely talked to. So, you know, it wasn't really a big Thanksgiving. It was, you know, grandparents and not nothing real, you know, in terms of history or anything. And now we always go to Baltimore, which is where my wife's from. That was kind of baked into the marriage, which is great. My kids are into it. My wife's family is great. They have a huge Thanksgiving. Huge. I I wish you you know for Thanksgiving for me a little more intimate, but you know because like everyone's all you know different places. It's not a one table. You know spread out. But that does benefit me in that kind of setting because hey, you know I got my my nephews and my son and my daughters. I I gotta watch the game, right? I'm I'm yeah. hanging with the people. I'm I'm watching the game now. To me, the ultimate time for the Thanksgiving meal we eat at my at my in laws at my wife's family. We eat around 5, 5.30. It's late. I'd rather do it earlier. You know, do it on the earlier side. We used to do that growing up, too, around that time, around like 5. I'd much, much rather do it earlier. But it works because now I manage the day. You get that 12.30 game, which at times could be terrible, yeah, oh, but now yeah. I'll get the Bills, which is great because Theo's a big Bills fan. We'll watch the Bills-Lions in isolation and Lions on a three-game winning streak so that that should be good. The Thanksgiving slate of games and then Giants-Cowboys oh. and Vikings-Patriots, Incredible. the best it's ever been. Ever. I, I'm always pro-history with Lions and Cowboys hosting. So few traditions left in, in sports, even though the Lions are usually terrible. Now they're at least watchable. So I would prefer... A two three o'clock big Thanksgiving meal, but we do it at five thirty. So I make sure I get a little luncheon, I get a <laughs> watch the game in in isolation with with Theo early, and get a nice big workout in. Maybe a, a sleep where I don't have to. You know, I'm at my in laws, so the kids can you know be with grandparents and cousins, which is great. So that's the structure of the day for me on Thanksgiving. I, I like the mealtime a little earlier, but oh, I, I'm in a routine now, unless, you know, back in the day when I was doing the Jets and the Jets had a Thanksgiving game like 10 oh. years ago with the butt fumble. And then we're in New York for that. I mean, I, that was uh, unbelievable. 10 years ago. I we're always in Baltimore on my in-laws and that's great. Kids love it. Katie loves it. You know, her family is fantastic. And I just wish the meal was a little bit earlier, and I would chop off about ten people from the uh, from the invite list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, chopping off ten people! I think the bigger the better, Adam. The more people, at oh, do you the really, better. Bob? Yeah, of course. The more, the more, the merrier. In my mind, I absolutely love it. Love a giant Thanksgiving. I love seeing everybody. I love seeing all the family. It's funny. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. The first thing I do when the NFL schedule comes out. Is I look to see who's playing on Thanksgiving because it's a rare Thursday game where we don't work the next day, so I can sit around and just just watch the games, right? Just be relaxed, watch all the games, hang out with friends and family. Because on a normal Thursday night, people aren't coming over and watching the games with me. It, It can't happen. Can't happen. We're up early the next day. I always check the slate. And unfortunately, the past five or six years, Adam, has been a disgrace. Some of these games have been so terrible. You know, you had the Matt, Matt Patricia getting fired game. You had Scott Tolzien and the Colts play the Steelers the one year. Raven Steelers was going to be the game of the year. It got moved to a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. This is what we've been dealing with every year on Thanksgiving. The fact that we get the Vikings... And the Patriots is unbelievable. The Giants being relevant is massive for Thanksgiving. Buffalo on Thanksgiving is, it's Perfect. like Christmas. It's Perfect. like Christmas has come early for me. So I'm obsessed with it. I, I, I do think your time is a little bit late. I mean, because you're going to be eating all day. Like, by that point, you've already eaten Because you, eat. you have to eat. It's You have to eat. You can't hold yeah. out. You got to eat. Yeah, 100%. And I love also how committed you are to the workout on Thanksgiving. Oh. That is the f- that yes. was the furthest thing from my mind. I, if I worked out my it, I'd morning, puke I out
1: should add it. one other thing. And I hate—I went to the Macy's <laughs> parade once with the girls when they were younger. It was on one of those Jets games, either Jets Cincinnati or the Butt Fumble Day. I think it was Jets Cincinnati. Yeah. Um I, I like watching the parade on TV. And I I generally like like that to me is I don't want to be there. I, I get claustrophobic. I have to go to the bathroom every forty five minutes. I got to pee. That's my own situation. You know, I, you know me. I always have to go to the bathroom. We do a show at location. Hey, where, where's the nearest bathroom? So I like watching the. Pro- oh no! I am either running or on the elliptical at Katie's parents' house for forty five to sixty minutes on Thanksgiving. You have to. You have to. It's, oh God! It, it's too important, physically and mentally. Because yeah. I'll tell you. I do not hold back on the Thanksgiving meal. I of there is not. there is no holding back. It's seconds, <laughs> thirds, more. I mean, it's you are in a race with yourself when it comes to the Thanksgiving meal. So, I'll ask you this, because I've had people tell me this, and I you know people are you know having beverages at, at Thanksgiving. Some people consider Thanksgiving a great drinking holiday i have never considered it a drinking holiday no ever there there's too much in terms of food and football to consider it a drinking holiday
0: that's a good point it's more of a relaxing holiday to have a drink with right bingo glass of wine maybe one beer to me the drinking holiday is the wednesday night before thanksgiving adam that's the holiday to drink that to me is one of the best drinking days of the year but
1: no, Thanksgiving, especially when we were younger. That was the ultimate well, drinking yeah. day. Yeah. Because Growing, that's the thing like too, like college, you go back after to your hometown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: like you see all the people that you haven't seen in, in a year or so. That that makes perfect sense to me. You see the whole town is out on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. But actual Thanksgiving, I've never gotten like out of control on thanksgiving or no. i've never just been kicking back beers left and right like you just don't do that to me it's it's a relaxing holiday
1: you have one or two drinks at most and you enjoy your family and you enjoy the football 100 and for me honestly i'll even have you know diet coke i mean give me give me the diet coke i i need to focus on i maybe i'll have a beer But focus solely and simply on the meal. So, and you reference, obviously, you know, growing up, I mean, going back from college, coming back, you know, on a break or in your 20s, everyone comes back home. You know, that Wednesday night was always the night. That was great. So then it was Thanksgiving on Thursday after the Wednesday night of going out. And then to me, the football playing day was Friday. Friends and I, growing up, we used to play football at the local elementary school we would go to. On a Friday, Theo wants to try and play football with his cousins this year. He's like, let's do a Thanksgiving morning. Too ambitious. Friday. <laughs> you also Way want to get out ambitious. of the house on Friday. So any kind of football playing, and Theo always wants to be out throwing the ball, he, Friday to me, Bob, is the day for Thanksgiving, quote-unquote, football.
0: Yeah, see, I understand that, but I'm getting older, too. So for me, it's it's tough to go outside and play sports now. I know with Amelia getting older, I'm gonna start doing that more. Right when the kids get older, they want to do that. Like, look at Theo; he's right in the, he's right in that prime age of I want to get out. I want to throw the football. We used to always do that as a family, playing football. Everyone, I think, has gotten too old, Adam. I just I think the bruises and the the soreness has taken that out. When the kids get older, I think we'll be back outside again. But yeah, Friday's
1: the day. Friday's the day for football, of course. Friday's the day. That's how it works. And then, of course, next year we're going to get an NFL game on Black Friday, as Mike North told us <laughs> exclusively on on the podcast. So yeah. then no one will be out on a Friday. Jason Benetti is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and he joins us next. Reese's peanut butter cups
0: are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh,
2: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. Self-monitoring is power. Visit ManagerBP.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration.
2: Hey, this is Mike Bapchick from Morning Man and Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Bapchick's morning after the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, one of my favorite cats calling play-by-play. Jason Bonetti, the superstar from Fox Sports. Nice enough to give us a few minutes. Jason I got to tell you, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a while. I've known you for a long time as a Syracuse guy, and I am just enamored by your work and your success, and we appreciate the time, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm great. I'm great. You're way too generous. Thank you for listening to that tape I sent you on CD in 2005. Uh, (laughs) It's great to be with you.
1: I love your work, too. Well, let's start, speaking of your work, because you're on the list of people I needed to have this year on the podcast. Because, you know, we, we'll, we'll text, we communicate on Twitter. You know, we Syracuse guys always stick together. But I'm sitting there watching the Baylor-TCU game, and I'm stressed. I mean, I am stressed out like no other watching the end of that game. And one of the things I always say about your work, Your word choice is perfect. Your cadence, you had the most amazing, and I want you to take this as a compliment, anxiety attached to your call at the end because nobody knew how that was going to play out. Before we get into anything else, take us through the insanity of the end of that game.
2: Uh, First of all, my therapist will appreciate you saying that. Uh, (laughs) Second of all, Look, when they ran the ball on third down, first of all, they spiked the ball on second down. And you're like, well, that's curious. I wonder what they're gonna do on third down. They're something else in their pocket. And they ran. And uh, if you listen to the call, Brock Heward, and this is what's so great about Brock, right? Because you can my emotion and everything, and I thank you for saying that, Brock Heward is the same way. He always lives the play. The first thing he says is, gotta get on the field. Right? Like he is part of it. And his ability to be on the field from 5,000 feet away is really impressive. And so to have a partner whose emotion helps build the moment too, like there are no losses there. Nobody is circling the drain. Nobody's an energy vampire. We just kind of build together. And I don't think you can get there as an announcer unless you both are there, right? There's a different level that you achieve at the top end if your partner isn't in it emotionally as well. So, uh, but as it happened, we're watching and we're like, I don't, it it really, instead of the strategy, it went to, I don't think they're gonna get this off. It was first of all, what are they doing, right? (laughs) Like what is happening? (laughs) Second of all, there are guys in the middle of this who if they trip or if they go to the wrong spot or if they whatever, Right. Like if some earthly thing happens that's negative to them, this isn't going to work so they can have practiced it all they want. And I love that they had. But if somebody steps on a beetle the wrong way, they're not going to win the game and their season's over. And that's what it was like in the booth. It was like, I cannot believe this is happening. But this guy and the kicker, if you watch the kicker, he just saunters onto the field like he's late to a party. And he's like, hey, where's the case? <laughs> right, like, guys, is there a queso? Like, I brought, I brought some Stella. Where should I put it? In the fridge. Whap, forty yards,
1: and I win. Right, like that. I've never seen anything like that. The kicker was so calm. The chaos was off the charts, and you nailed the call and the anxiety and what everyone watching was feeling. And I'm glad you mentioned Brock because I love great teams as as a viewer. Wait, I could tell if. You know, there's great chemistry, force chemistry, likability. You guys sound like you've been working together for 50 years, like you're, you're the best of friends. You love ball, no matter what. The, you guys love the action as much as everybody at home. What makes you guys such an incredible team?
2: Why I wanted to do games with him in the first place, and part of the allure of coming to Fox was the idea that I'd get to work with him. Because when I watched him with Bob Wischusen for years at ESPN, I thought, man, I want to do games with this guy. He just asks questions and he's a giving partner, but he also goes deeper in research, not because he's supposed to, because he wants to know. And there's a difference in those two things. Also, what makes him a good partner is... He's done talk radio for a long time, so he's a professional at telling stories. He's just really good at sound, right? He's really good at being human and coming across in a certain way. And I will tell you, at about the three-minute mark in the third quarter, I think it was, we did a World Cup promo, and I started talking through the World Cup promo, and Brock directly into his microphone yells, America! it's great. And I just started laughing hysterically. <laughs> then he does it again and I'm dying, right? I'm just dying. The third time he does it, I it sounds like it's off in the distance. And I look over and he has taken his microphone and flipped it ahead of his mouth. To his ear, so he's not talking directly into the microphone. So he flipped it up away from his mouth so he could have the sound of somebody yelling in the distance. And I said to him during the break, Did you move your mic so you could make that? He goes, I'm an audio professional. Oh my gosh. And I was like, Okay, that is
1: another level of
2: broadcast partner that I am so glad I get to be a part of. He is a dynamic force, and I love him dearly.
1: So you're at ESPN forever, and you're calling a ton of big events, and, and it's ESPN, and it's great, and Jason Benetti leaves ESPN and goes to Fox. I remember having a conversation with someone we both know, and they're like, well, why do you think Jason made the move? And I said, look at the games he's going to be able to call at Fox. You know, ESPN's great. ESPN is, you know, the worldwide leader. You had a great experience. But to me, that was a no-brainer opportunity for you in terms of the games, the quality, where you're going to be, number two team, college football. I'm obsessed with your baseball play-by-play, which we'll get to, college hoops as well. Did it turn out to be a no-brainer, as easy as I'm making it sound?
2: It ended up being a no-brainer, and that is not to say anything about ESPN other than I spent 11 years there and they helped me build into the announcer I am and they gave me a lot of cool things to do and the StatCast shows and working and becoming friends with Bill Walton and Robbie Hummel as a broadcast partner for basketball and some friendships forever with producers and directors that I will cherish for a long, long, long time. But Fox and what they had to offer was a no-brainer for me and Again, it's nothing against ESPN, but I will say I do think Fox places a very significant value on play-by-play as a craft, like above a lot of people in the country, and I appreciate that. And you can see by the types of people they've hired to do play-by-play, a lot of us are people who really study and go deep into this, the Adam Amin, Joe Davis, Kevin Kugler types who are just play-by-play announcers at the core And I think what Fox has done is really good for this craft as an industry, which I know we have so many friends who do that, whether we went to school with them or not. But I do think there is a lot of picture painting and a lot of good camaraderie and things that you learn as a play-by-play announcer that you don't learn doing other jobs necessarily. And, you know, I I was actually, I was talking to Tim Brando about this by text just yesterday. Sorry to name drop, but Tim has this great love for the craft of play-by-play and its future. And it, it kind of struck me as I was talking to him that, that Fox has just brought in a lot of people, whether young or older or in the middle or whatever it is, who care deeply for the craft.
1: I love that, and you could see that. I love that Joe Davis and Adam Amin and what you bring to the table and, and in that line of the ability, who love play-by-play, who are versatile, who can call all different events and and big-time events, you know, you're excellent doing college football. I love your college basketball. My personal favorite sport that you call, Jason, is baseball. And I it might even be a bit of a bias because, you know, I'm I'm still romantic about baseball. I, I love baseball play-by-play. I love watching baseball, whether I'm invested in a game or whether it's background noise for me. And those are two different ways to consume baseball. And frankly, you know, as I get older, I have kids. I I enjoy both, to be honest with you. Is is baseball your, your favorite sport to call? Do you have a favorite sport to call?
2: It depends upon, uh, I'm about to sound like Billy Joel in scenes some an Italian restaurant. It depends upon <laughs> your appetite. Right. Uh, but my, my feeling on baseball is, the glory of it, is that you come to the ballpark, and it's not only what strange thing you're going to see on the field, but it's what strange thing you're going to see in the crowd and the types of stuff that can happen just as you people watch doing Major League Baseball. I mean, this past year, we had a situation where our director in like a 9-1 game found somebody with an enormous, larger than Costco size bag of popcorn that they were sharing with their entire row. And they were just diving in. Like like if you had a five-year-old, the kid would be in the bag and fit fine among the popcorn, like a ball pit at a Discovery Zone. And so they're eating this popcorn and that's act one. And then act two is some more people come over and they start to get text messages. And when you're on television on a baseball game, messaging and data rates do still apply. Mm -hmm. And so like these people are eating the popcorn, then the security guard comes over and the security guard starts talking to him about like how they got the popcorn in, where they got the popcorn. Eventually act four is the security guard confiscated the popcorn. And as he was doing it, there was like a dive, dive, dive. Everybody went in with like the biggest handfuls of popcorn at the end as it was going away. And I had so many people at the ballpark ask me in the next three weeks what happened to the popcorn, what happened to those people. <laughs> and I eventually had to ask around and found out that they had stolen the big industrial size bag of popcorn from one of the concession stands and just took it as their own. So then security went and took it back oh from them.
1: Oh my gosh. So they stole the popcorn and that's the beauty of baseball where, you know, there will be action and, you know, or not so much later in a lopsided game and you're doing play by play of stolen popcorn. Intertwined
2: with a ground ball to short, right? (laughs) There's this, there's this rhythmic sort of, if you're ever a sports announcer and you're at a party, I guarantee sometimes when you're in a conversation, you don't want to be part of, you just want to say the tutu. And hope that the person leaves. Such
1: a great line,
2: <laughs> but that's not how it works. They don't just walk away, right? Like you can't just get out of it. <laughs> so I'm really bad in social
1: settings because I can't just exit like that. Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be great though if you're you know play-by-play guy, you're in a conversation, and you really don't want to end the two-two? Like that should be the social cue of please, I'm out I, I yeah, don't want to get be up in your conversation.
0: Like,
1: I'm out. I'm done! There's a two-two! I mean here's the two two! I mean that's uh I mean I every play by play voice should have that in their social arsenal, right? I mean to be able yes. to use that would be great. Uh, Sean McDonough, to me, when I first heard you, I heard Sean McDonough. I and I think Sean is a fantastic play by play voice. Then I realized the depth of your relationship, both Syracuse guys, you know, you sent him tapes. He helped mentor you. Do you do you hear Sean McDonough when you call games? Was he someone that you looked up to? Is this a setup, Adam? Yeah. So
2: I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes, it is, by it, the way. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I will be getting ready for a game. And I will turn to Brock and I'll say, delighted to have you with us.
1: It's amazing.
2: Fantastic to see you. Uh, Sean, I I hate when people hear me do the impression and I did it on WEEI a couple of years ago at a White Sox, Red Sox game. I hate when people hear it and think I'm making fun of Sean because it is the very opposite. I love him dearly. He is a generous, kind friend and, and a wonderful person who has done so much for me in my career. I just like the sound his voice makes. I think it's fantastic and remarkable and identifiable. And so sometimes I want to say coming up at noon on ESPN, it is college of Charleston against (laughs) Hubert (laughs) Davis in North Carolina. Right. I just have this urge to talk like him because I love his voice and I love the way it sounds.
1: No, that's, that's incredible. So your, your path and your story is, is incredible, Jason, on, on so many different levels. Born with cerebral palsy. And I, I read a couple of interviews that you did a long time ago where you said radio for you was great. Because someone would get to know you before they got to know you. And now here you are, great career on ESPN. You make the move to Fox. TV play-by-play superstar. Could you have ever, when you're growing up and you want to get into this business, could you ever have wrapped your brain around something like this?
2: Hey, you talked to my, one of my college roommates, Lauren Canaster, Uh, he and I did projects together at Newhouse at Syracuse. And we would go out with a camera and I would shoot his stand-up and he'd shoot my stand-up and we'd be there for like an hour because I didn't know what to do with my hands and I was all nervous and it was terrible, like he was basically like, okay, it's never gonna be good anyway. Like (laughs) what, in this state of affairs, can't we go home now? Isn't it possible that this could be the best it's gonna be today? And he was very patient, and I had a lot of people who helped me learn how to do television. But the answer is no, I couldn't have. Like I was, I was nervous about everything having to do with being seen. I mean, I, there there were times where like I would just get mad for no reason about the way somebody reacted to me. And so yeah, it was it was a a very uh, cathartic place to have a radio station where I could just go and. You know, I you don't really know what it's like to be on level ground if you haven't been on it before. Right. So I always felt like that there was going to be a disparity, that somebody would think something of me. And with radio, that wasn't possible. That could not be the case. There was no built in bias, nothing like that. And so I think it really centered me and made me feel more comfortable in my own skin. Once I was able to do something where there was an even starting point, then it was like, oh, you know what? I actually can do this other stuff. I just need to understand that my uh, my fears are much more pronounced than what anybody really, truly thinks of me. And also... The stuff people write about first impressions, and there are all sorts of books about first impressions, it's right, but it's also not the end-all be-all because if first impressions were the only thing, I wouldn't have a job.
1: I love the way you phrase that on, on every level with the humor and how the seriousness at, at the end. When, when, you, when you look at what you've done, right, on television, play-by-play voice, cerebral palsy, do you consider yourself or understand the importance of being a role model to others? It's it's um
2: so yes and no. Um the yes is uh, when I grew up there was nobody like me on television other yeah. than like uh, Corky from Life Goes On, but he didn't have CP, he had something else. And then, you know, RJ Mitty comes along as Walt Jr on Breaking Bad. And that is so cool for people who have CP and like Marley Matlin and for the community of people who struggle with hearing, right? And so uh, that's the yes of it because I do know that there's a lot of hope in it. I also know that CP affects people in so many different ways. And there are some people who uh, use wheelchairs and use eye gaze technology to speak through an iPad, right? And I don't know if somebody who speaks through an iPad is going to be a sports announcer. So like my specific path doesn't necessarily compute for everybody. But what I will say is, you know, the the universal message is if you get good enough at something, people will hire you no matter how you look. Uh, my fear was always the Little Miss Sunshine thing where, uh, you know, Paul Dano's character in Little Miss Sunshine finds out late that he's colorblind and he can't be a pilot. Right. And so I never wanted some superficial thing to make it that I couldn't do the thing that I really wanted to do. So being on TV in the first place, I think, ends up being a universal message because, you know, if in it and it gives me confidence, honestly, Adam, because if I wasn't good at this, people wouldn't put me on television by default. It just wouldn't happen.
1: You're 100 percent right. And, you know, I've said this on the radio show, so I'll say it to you. You know, to me, you're one of the four best baseball play-by-play voices right now calling Major League Baseball games. I, I love listening to you, as I said. And I've you know known you for a long time. Who are some in the industry, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, where maybe you'll stop and watch? If you're flipping around watching the different sports channels and you hear play-by-play voice X, no matter the game, who are some play-by-play voices where you'll stop and listen to them call a sporting event?
2: Uh, Ian. Yep. Ian Eagle. Uh, Sean, obviously Sean McDonough, after what I said before, he is definitely distinctly on that list. Uh, Ian Eagle, I think, is is just the best. The best. He has never, he has never been unfunny, and he has <laughs> never missed a call. He is an absolute genius. He's a marvelous human being. Ian is distinctly on that list, Uh, a younger guy who is on that list just because we're very close. We did minor league baseball together. But Kevin Brown, who does the Orioles and does the Women's College World Series for ESPN, I think is an absolute star. And I love him dearly. Uh, We did a lot of minor league baseball together, and we've got some stories of possibly hating each other for days. But uh, he's a a wonderful (laughs) human being and one of the most creative people I have ever met. Uh, He is on the list of people that now when I tune in, I'm like, I want to see what he's doing tonight. Um, And, you know, you know who I think doesn't get enough credit for how good he is at the craft and how exciting he is is Bob Wischusen.
1: I love Bob.
2: Bob is a phenomenal football announcer yeah. and he's a really good hockey announcer and he's a great basketball announcer. That guy is so good at elevating the moment. And then the last one I, I do want to mention who has just been fantastic to me. I finally met him for the first time at a Bulls Knicks game last year. We had just corresponded by email and he had done a lot for me in my career as Mike Breen.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, Mike is as generous as the day is long. And his ability to nail moments, but also have a really cool sense of humor at the same time, uh puts him on that list for me too. And that's not everybody, but th- those are some of the people that are on my list.
1: And I love that on Breen, who, you know, I grew up listening to and he's he's a great guy. I was shoes and I've known forever. I want to get him on the podcast soon. I used to I was an intern at FAN and he used to make me get him a, a cup with ice with the Diet Coke, but that's a true story. I mean that's he it was very particular on his order and I and his the absolute best number one on the list. Jason, final question for you. I whiffed on the White Sox this year. I think a lot of people did. I thought they were going to be a really great team, like top two, top three in the American League, legit World Series potential. Where did I go wrong? And what do the White Sox need to do to get over the hump?
2: The A1 for me is the power wasn't there. Like that was supposed to be a home run hitting team. And you know with the Yankees, like you can fix a lot of things with hitting home runs. You hit a lot of home runs and that can fix that your corner outfield defense isn't very good or that you had some injuries in the bullpen or, you know, your fourth and fifth starters weren't exactly what you expected them to be. You hit home runs and that's wallpaper. Uh, That just didn't happen. I also think the managerial change is going to be good. I think the front office and the manager being completely in lockstep. And not having some cognitive dissonance of one thinks this way and then one thinks that way. I think we've seen that have success in Major League Baseball. And that's not to say, you know, an older manager can't do that. We saw it with Buck Showalter, right? Like I had the Mets a couple of times on Peacock. And I think Buck did a phenomenal job for the most part this year at just being a really good 2022 manager while keeping his sensibilities about him but i do think this front office being in lockstep with the manager is going to be big next year but the power has to happen there's got to be home run hitting potential there's got to be lift and for most of the season the Sox were top five in ground ball rate and i just don't think you can do that with the power hitting lineup potential that you're supposed to have
1: Jason, you're the best. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I'm truly happy for you and, and all your success. I love watching you. I love listening to you. You got a lot of Syracuse folks who are just thrilled with everything that you've accomplished. One of the best play-by-play voices in the business. Keep kicking derriere on Fox. We'll be watching this weekend. I mean, the official or unofficial voice of, of TCU, I guess. Why not? Jason, keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Adam, thank you so much. It's time for the Shine Wine. I love a good Merlot. As we tape this at 2 o'clock on Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Jets, but I can tell you that Zach Wilson is off to a Jamarcus Russell kind of start to his NFL career. And Zach Wilson has been terrible, and the numbers when you compare the first year and a half that he has been a quarterback in the NFL to Jamarcus Russell, who's considered one of the biggest busts in NFL draft history. It's eerily similar in terms of pass rating, touchdown to interceptions, completion percentage, yards per attempt, and wins and losses. And Zach Wilson was atrocious against the New England Patriots again after throwing three interceptions and costing the Jets a victory against New England at home. Then he completed nine passes, overshooting everyone, even on screens. The Jets punted ten times. He was like a double agent again. And then post game, he refused to take any responsibility. So Zach Wilson, who I never would have picked with a number two pick in the draft, clearly is a terrible quarterback. And there are other options at number two, other quarterbacks, other players. I begged them to trade down, make the deal that Miami made with San Francisco, accumulate more picks. Look, I thought the Jets were going to start the season 0-7, not because of the talent. I gave Joe Douglas an A++ in the draft this past year, but because the quarterback was dreadful. And... Frankly, Zach Wilson's gotten worse, and I applaud Robert Sala for at least saying, hey, we got to consider everything because it was that bad, and Zach Wilson doesn't get it, and he acts like a spoiled brat, and he can't complete the forward pass. And if they're not going to play him against the Bears, which is a perfect time to win, and against that defense, no Roquan Smith, no, no Robert Quinn, I mean, that's a game you should be able to gain confidence, win, and pad your stats. So, if they go to Joe Flacco or Mike White, it's really telling. But it is crystal clear to me that Zach Wilson is not the answer. The 2023 quarterback for the Jets is playing with the Raiders or with Washington or with San Francisco or in college. But Zach Wilson is not the answer for a team that clearly has a tremendous defense and is ready to make a postseason push. But not with Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. Bob, you are a diehard fan of the Jets, and I know you were dying on Sunday watching that New England game. What's your take on everything going on with Zach Wilson? Because I know you were holding out hope for a long time. What's your take on his play and what transpired in the postgame news conference? I
0: mean, what he did against New England was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life, right? He couldn't hit screens. It's a windy day. The offensive line is destroyed, so... There are definitely some things you can get into and say it wasn't his fault. We also had Phil Simms on the radio show, and he also put it pretty bluntly. Nobody was really open either. The Patriots have the best pass defense in the NFL, Adam. I don't think people are really paying attention to that. They make everybody look absolutely terrible in terms of passing against them, right? Bill Belichick literally sits at his house every year, and tries to figure out a way he can destroy the Jets. Look what he did to Sam Darnold years ago, the ghost game. That basically ended Sam Darnold's time with the Jets, right? Now you have the same thing happening to Zach Wilson. Everybody going ballistic over how he plays against the Patriots, and I completely understand it. He looked absolute garbage. I said I never want to see him take another snap again. It was that bad of a game offensively. So again, we, all, we can all be prisoner of the moment also. But if you take away the Belichick games, he's 5-0 this year. Zach Wilson's 5-0. He's beat the Steelers. He's beat the Buffalo Bills. He beat the Bills. He put up 40 points on the Dolphins, who people are saying are a Super Bowl team. So, look... I think Zach Wilson deserves another shot. He should still continue to play. I think the Jets are going to win a lot of these games down the stretch. The Lions, the Bears, and again, it's not going to be all him. The defense is exceptional. It's propping him up. I can I can completely understand that, and I can admit that. The biggest issue with Zach Wilson, and you mentioned it, Adam, how he handled himself post game. I mean, it was a complete disgrace. You're not going to take a single bit of blame for the loss. He said, that, you know, oh, we didn't let the defense down. You put up three freaking points. Three points on offense, and the fact is the defense gave up three the entire game. They made Mac Jones look like Zach Wilson, by the way, and this guy won't even take blame. So, I completely understand benching him from that perspective, but, like, you don't bench him for Joe Flacco or Mike White because of talent. Joe Flacco's been booed off the field twice already this year, Adam. Oh, the the, these twice. guys are
1: terrible. They're Torrible. not NFL quarterbacks, which is Torrible. why, to me, if Zach Wilson is benched, he'll he'll never... I mean, look, he's not the Jets quarterback next year anyway, but if he's benched for the Bears game, it's proof that he's lost the locker room, lost Joe Douglas, and he's lost Robert Sala. Because Mike White and Joe Flacco are never the answers. No.
0: They're not better than him either, Adam. Mike White couldn't complete a pass in the preseason. I know. I watch every Jets game and every Jets snap. Mike White was terrible. And I know everyone's going to remember the Cincy game. He's been horrible since that game. He hasn't done a single thing. And like I said, Flacco got booed off the field twice already this year. This this was this year it happened. He got booed off the field. The Bengals game, he was a disaster throwing the ball over the yard. So... I tend to agree with you that they will move on and go with another quarterback, but again, I don't think you can rule out the Jets winning a bunch of games here down the stretch. He plays okay. He's on a rookie contract, and there is nobody out there that they want. Now, granted, I also think the quarterback of the Jets next year is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. That, to me, makes the most sense. He has the connections right. He's not going to cost... Yeah, okay. Lafleur, Sala, San Francisco, the connections. He knows the offense. He's ran it before. He's a mediocre quarterback that would be exceptional in the Jets system with all those players coming back. So I think Garoppolo he'll be the guy next year. But I don't also don't think you can rule it out that Zach Wilson will still be the quarterback. Adam, they invested a lot in him. It's like the one draft pick the Jets have missed over the past couple of years. It's unbelievable. They missed on the quarterback. They've hit the jackpot everywhere else, right? That's why the team has six wins. They've hit the jackpot everywhere else in the draft. I don't think you can rule out him coming back, though. I really don't. I'm really intrigued to see what happens this week against the Bears, coming up against the Lions, against the Seahawks, against the Vikings. Because, again, those are all games the Jets are going to be in and going to win because of the defense. They have a chance in every single one of them. So I don't think Zach Wilson's story is over yet. That's where I'm That's where
1: I'm going with this, M. I don't think it's over yet. Oh, I I think it's over. And this topic is a great segue, Bob, into texts from Jack Shine.
0: It's time for texts from Jack Shine.
1: So here's the text I got from my dad yesterday at 2.57 p.m. Eastern Time, which is right as we're about to tape NFL Monday QB on CBS Sports Network. And the game between the Jets and the Patriots was a Kevin Harlan-Trent Green special on CBS. Text from Jack Sean. Son, kick ass on Monday QB. Question Trent. Probe. Get his takes on the Jets. Deliver counterpoints if necessary. Pin his ass on the incompetence (laughs) of... of Zach Wilson, why he can't answer questions, why he is pathetic, whether he would jettison Zach, is Zach Wilson salvageable? And that is a direct text from Jack Shine. Who, by the way, I don't know why I find this funny. Spell Zach, Z-A-K. I I don't know why I find that funny in the whole thing, but yes. That it, my dad texted me at 2.57 yesterday on Trent Green, nicest human being in the business, <laughs> pin his ass his on ass. the incompetence. <laughs> Of Zach Wilson. I
0: like how he addresses you as son. 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 You don't know who's who's talking to you or texting you, right? Son. Probe. Please probe Trent Green Adam. Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's producing the show. Oh my
1: God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, You can't make it up if you're trying. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine podcast. Jason Bonetti. How great was that? Thanks for our listeners on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora, thanks for our listeners on Apple Podcasts, and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode or want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Plus, catch Shine on Sports weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Man Dog Sports Radio Channel 82 and on the SXM app. This is the Adam shine podcast
0: for more from Adam shine. Listen to shine on sports on mad dog sports radio, 9am to noon Eastern on Sirius XM mad dog sports radio channel 82.
1: Sirius XM podcasts.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let
2: me play devil's advocate here.
0: Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs)